0: Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast.
1: Good morning. My name is Mike Rauber. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I will start by giving you an overview of what has happened in the markets. Better than expected U.S. retail sales and initial jobless claims falling for a fifth straight week yesterday were taken by market participants as a confirmation that the US Federal Reserve will have to raise interest rates much further to control inflation. So the 2-year US Treasury yield rose 8 basis points and is up again this morning to now 3.9%. It's highest since 2007. At the long end of the US yield curve, Treasury yields also rose and mortgage rates in the US climbed above 6% for the first time since 2008. So on the day, the S&P 500 was down 1.1% and closed just above 3,900 points, considered a key technical threshold. Nine of 11 major industry groups declined, led by energy and utilities. But banks, they rose on the prospects of higher rates. After the US market closed, FedEx shares are down 16%, after the company withdrew its earnings forecast on worsening business conditions, adding to concerns that the global economy will slow just as the US Federal Reserve stays hawkish. This is also weighing on S&P 500 futures this morning, which are showing a drop of 0.7%. European equities cannot escape the bearish mood, and they're also expected to open lower. Shares in Asia are also lower, Mainland China shares are down 1.3%. While data for industrial production and retail sales beat expectations and were higher than prior month's figure, a separate report showed home prices falling for 12 months in a row in August. The offshore yuan remained on the weaker side of 7 to the dollar, even as the People's Bank of China set the reference rate for the currency stronger than forecast for a 17th straight day. In other currencies, the risk off mode is not giving the dollar a big boost this morning. Euro US dollar is just below parity. And Euro Swiss is at 0.96.20, around its lowest in more than 20 years. And Bloomberg reports that traders are scurrying to hedge against potential gains in the Japanese yen, spurred by fears of intervention and uncertainty surrounding next week's Bank of Japan policy meeting which comes right after the U.S. Federal Reserve decides on interest rates. Gold is not turning to be much of a safe haven. This morning, the price is at 1,663 U.S. dollars. And Ethereum is not benefiting from what is reported to have been a successful merge. It's down to well below $1,500. Coming to energy, Brent fell 3.5% yesterday, and it is around $91 a barrel. Demand concerns remain at the fore. And the U.S. Department of Energy walked back expectation of its plan to restock petroleum reserves. In Europe, French Prime Minister Elisabeth Borne urged households, businesses and authorities to cut their power use by 10% compared to last year. And the German government just announced that it is taking control of Russian oil majors Rosneft's German unit, including stakes in three oil refineries, to avoid a collapse of its energy market. And lastly, on to economic data releases today. UK August retail sales ex fuel fell a greater than expected 1.6% in August, it was reported. At 11 local time today, Eurozone inflation for August will be out. Expected is a rise of 9.1%, unchanged from last month. And in the US, The University of Michigan sentiment indices will give an indication on current consumer sentiment and inflation expectations. This is all on the Markets Wrap today. And now I'm pleased to hand over to Tim Gagey, head of FX and PM Solutions Geneva, with his thoughts. Good morning.
0: Thank you, Michael. And good morning.
1: So the main event yesterday was probably the move in gold.
0: Uh, Regular listeners will know that gold has been greatly concerning me for a while. And last week's hold on the support at 1680 was indeed short-lived. Yesterday, on the back of not very much at all, we broke lower. Next support is hard to say now, but 1610 looks plausible. And if we close below 1680 tonight, then the outlook looks rather dark. The rate story is just brutal for gold, which no longer seems to have any safe haven allure at all. As I said about a month ago on this same podcast, I genuinely do not understand how a zero yielding asset valued in dollars protects you against rising inflation when central banks are forced to raise rates. And for this reason, I still really do not see any upside in gold, and I continue to favour platinum, which has actually held more or less around 900 despite gold's sell off I still like reverse convertibles in dollars against platinum with a strike below 850. On the FX side, eurodollar is stuck at parity while sterling underperforms, As we heard, disappointing UK retail sales this morning has taken euro sterling a bit higher again, uh, up to 87.45 so far. I still think that when the Bank of England raise rates next week, we will see sterling recover some ground against the euro. Although perhaps not against the dollar, depending on what the Fed does. I do believe that on a long-term basis, both euro and sterling are cheap here. But I would probably prefer to sell euro versus pounds rather than try and figure it out against the dollar, Or look at a reverse convertible investing euros against pounds, where a strike at or even a bit above 88 gives a pretty decent coupon. I don't have a huge amount to say about next week's Fed meeting. They will hike 75 basis points, it seems. But that was my view anyway, even before the last week or so of data. I will say two things about central banks in general. One is... I think they will all have to hike more than what the market is expecting be prepared for that. The second is, central banks are not surgeons walking the tightrope of balancing inflation, recession, and unemployment with lasers and scalpels. They have very few tools at their disposal, and the tools they have are extremely blunt instruments. The idea that the Fed, just for example, this is true of any central bank, can fine-tune its way out of inflation, getting rates to just that perfect level, is just not the case. They will either overshoot or undershoot because neither their information nor their weaponry are sufficiently precise for anything else. I stress this is my own opinion, but I feel strongly about it, and anyone who is looking to the Fed to really steer the boat through and past various icebergs and landmines, I think you need to think carefully about how you're positioned for that. Five days before the Fed, I would not be doing a huge amount, but clients that are unhedged in long-dollar positions should still be taking advantage of the current levels, I would want to lock in some of this ahead of the Fed. As I said before, the levels are very appealing on a long-term basis. With that, I wish you a happy Friday. I shall spend most of this weekend watching my oldest son play a basketball tournament, which is exactly the same thing I did last weekend, except with a different son. So I hope you are able to enjoy the good weather a little bit more than I will. Thanks for listening and back to you, Mike.
1: Thank you very much, Tim, for your thoughts. And now we're pleased to have Karsten Menke, Head of Next Generation Research, with us this morning to talk about digital assets.
2: Over to you, Carsten. Yes, thank you very much, Mike. Um, you've mentioned it before. Uh, one of the biggest events, or maybe even the biggest one in crypto history is behind us. The Ethereum merge uh, has happened, so the blockchain has successfully transitioned from a proof-of-work consensus mechanism to a proof-of-stake consensus mechanism. The merge lasted a little bit longer than expected as the hash rate, i.e. the computing power applied across the network, has been trending low during the process, which overall seems to have been very smooth. While the initial market reaction had been moderately positive, prices rose as much as 5% in the aftermath of the merge, all of these gains have been subsequently surrendered again. This is very much in line with our expectation as the immediate benefit of the merge does not go beyond the massive reduction of the network's energy intensity. The more meaningful benefits for developers of decentralized apps, so-called dApps, greater scalability and lower fees will only follow with the next upgrade next year. Furthermore, we are currently in a market environment which is dominated by top-down macroeconomic factors rather than bottom-up crypto-specific factors. A case in point, digital assets sold off earlier this week amid rising fears of even more aggressive monetary tightening in the United States, pushing the total market capitalization back below US dollar one trillion. They suffered another setback yesterday amid a prevailing risk of sentiment in financial markets. Ethereum now trades around 8% below pre-merge levels. As long as central banks remain on their tightening path, and as long as recession risks are on the rise, we believe the environment for digital assets should remain challenging. A lasting short-term rebound is unlikely. In the medium to long-term, we still see a lot of potential and optionality in the asset class. The shift away from Proof-of-Work was not backed by the whole Ethereum community, especially not by the miners whose business model would be destroyed. As a result, and well, as expected, there was a hard fork yesterday, meaning that going forward, there will be two types of Ethereum blockchains. They will have the same history, but a very different future trajectory. The mainnet of the new Ethereum POW blockchain is already live and holders of Ethereum will receive ETHW tokens in an airdrop. Given the likely niche nature of this new blockchain, we do not see a lot of value in these airdropped tokens. Current indicated prices from various crypto platforms are around 13 US dollars, which is down from around 30 US dollars as of yesterday. That's all from my side and back to you, Mike.
1: Thank you very much, Karsten. This concludes today's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now.
0: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.